On this week's edition of New York Now, lawmakers return to Albany next week and the June primary is two months away. We'll have a preview with Michael Gormley from Newsday and Marina Villeneuve from the AP. Then the Progressive Working Families Party is backing one of Hochul's challengers in the June primary. We'll speak with State Director Sochi Nemica. And later, voters could have a third party choice for governor this year. Libertarian Larry Sharp is taking another shot at the governor's office. Plus, a new edition of On the Bill. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done and always will. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. The next two months in New York politics might just be the two most important months of this year. And there are two reasons for that. For one, lawmakers return to Albany next week to finish out this year's legislative session. That ends in early June. And we don't really know what they're going to do, but there's a lot on the table from new criminal justice reforms to environmental measures. But for two, we're now about 10 weeks out from this year's primary. And whatever happens in Albany could play into that election. And we're already seeing that in the race for governor. Congressman Tom Suozzi is one of two Democrats challenging Governor Kathy Hochul for the party's nomination this year. And here's what he said this week about this year's state budget, which passed two weeks ago. So it's the same old Albany mess. It's the same old most corrupt state in the United States of America that's given us the highest taxes in the United States of America, a higher crime rate, and a state that so many people can't afford to live in. And the congressman will join us on next week's show to chat more. But let's bring it back to Albany now with Michael Gormley from Newsday and Marina Villeneuve from the AP. Thank you both for being here. So we got about two months left in the session, plus the primary, we just said. There's a lot of moving parts. Let's start with session. Uh, Mike, what are you watching for these next uh, six weeks we have? Right. Well, one of them is actually a holdover. Um, one of the options for Governor Hochul uh, to get her former lieutenant governor, Brian Benjamin, off the ticket is to have legislation. That seems to be a strong possibility based on what she said this week. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be an issue. But there's some others that are mayoral control um, in New York City, and that usually attaches with it some other major policy. Um, there's a couple interesting uh, issues that have been pushed off past the budget. One is about accessory dwelling units, which would allow, um, uh, which almost compel communities to allow multiple dwellings in, in homes, which Critics of it say it's going to be the end of single-family neighborhoods, um, but it's it's a way to, to combat the, uh, the the the, uh, the lack of affordable housing statewide. It's several other issues too. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned mayoral control of New York City schools uh, that may be coupled with. I don't know what it's called, 421A, it's right. a tax abatement housing. program for housing, and then they, they're calling it 458, I don't know, some some letters and numbers. Marina, what are you watching for the rest of the session? Right, um, uh, definitely for me, I'm going to be looking at criminal justice reform, environmental bills, as well as the rollout of more COVID relief debt. Uh, with criminal justice reform, we have the Clean Slate Act, which was included in some, in the governor's budget patrol, uh, budget proposal as well as the Senate budget proposal. Um, and the Clean Slate Act would basically um, allow for the sealing of criminal records after a period of time. There were some differences between how the governor and the Senate want to do it. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if there is any sort of momentum to get that passed um, in the rest of session. In terms of the environment, the budget did a lot to um, increase spending on climate change. 
Um, but there is still a lot of calls from environmental groups for lawmakers to do more, like everything from um, uh, uh, not allowing gas, uh, natural gas hookups in buildings um, and new construction and things like that, which was not included in the budget. And um, there are a lot of people in New York who are behind on their utility bills, um, uh, largely because of the pandemic, which led to a big increase in utility debt. Um, a lot of New Yorkers who applied for rent relief also applied for utility debt, but the state decided to um, only uh, use that rent relief fund for rent and not utility debt. And mm. there was a big chunk of money in the budget for utility debt, but um, advocates I've spoken to and consumers I've spoken to worry that it's really not enough. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. And You know, the Clean Slate Act is an interesting one because I remember last June, they were bringing it up near the end of session. It seemed to have some support and then we were nearing a deal for the end of session on a big package of bills. And it was said at the time that Clean Slate was going to be in there and then it wasn't in there. And then both the assembly and the Senate said, oh, we have the votes for this for sure. It was just a technical issue that's holding this up. And then fast forward to this year, and the votes suddenly aren't there, but the members haven't changed. So th that's something really interesting to watch for me. I, I would just say, you, you're both right. The, 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 those bills are going to be key. The ones Marita mentioned are going to be very big this year, partly because it's an election year. Yes. And these are high priorities of a lot of, particularly the progressives in the legislature. So we'll see those. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, Mike, how do you think this plays out politically if they do something like the Clean Slate Act? I mean, we see we see crime as a major issue. And I'm assuming if they do something like Clean Slate, then that might play into some campaign ads down the road. How do you see them balancing that tightrope? Well, the, the, really, the tightrope is on Long Island. Yeah. Um, that is the concern. Um, progressives in... Um, in the Senate and in the uh, the Assembly, will be su very supportive of a lot of this stuff. Um, the moderate, the more moderate Democrats uh, in the Senate from Long Island have a have tougher districts. Um, mm -hmm. They're more evenly divided. Some are still have have a great deal of Republicans in them. So they have to find a way, which they've done on this legislation, um, criminal justice legislation in general. Try to find a way to, to sort of thread that needle, as you say. Um, and that's where the difficult measure is, because the progressives in the Assembly and the Senate, um, in, particularly in the city, uh, really want this stuff. Yeah. And something that we're also watching, too, that plays into politics is this debate over redistricting. So on Thursday evening, we had a court decision that invalidated the maps uh, to some degree, but I don't want to spend time on it because that's going to the higher court next week for arguments and a decision on that will be forthcoming probably immediately. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Mike, I don't remember, what is the vulnerability on Long Island in terms of the number of seats? Well, actually, congressional is, is the concern um, okay. because... You know, we, we've got Long Island has these districts that are going to be vulnerable to this kind of change. And what was interesting about last night's or Thursday night's decision was that it really said that this was gerrymandering. Um, that that's a pretty powerful position. So it shows that whatever the Court of Appeals does next week is going to be very, very important. And on Long Island, it could it could be very critical to changing what these districts look like. Yes, definitely, for sure. Uh, Marina, I want to circle back to the politics part of what they're doing in terms of the rest of session. So you mentioned environmental measures. Uh, there's a lot going on. How do you think that plays into politics in terms of we could look at the primary, we can look at the general. So when we're talking about environment. That seems like something that people could uh, you know, form some consensus, but they're also controversial. Right. Um, there is a lot of um, lobbying from, um, you know, obviously environmental groups as well as uh, real estate groups and um, groups that are um, very worried that some of these um, proposals like 
require, uh, banning uh, new gas hookups and new uh, construction could raise costs and um, you know, conceivably passing a bill like that that might lead to increased energy costs or might not um, could be used like politically against Democrats if they were to pass that, especially when we're having, um, we've had issues with high energy costs in New York. Um, and I think with, um, there is a lot for Democrats to point to and say that they've gotten a lot done on environment. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it is, it, 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 it could be sort of challenging for environmental groups to say we need to do more. Um, but there definitely uh, uh, is a lot of room there for something to happen. Mike, last word, what do you think on that? I mean, the campaign ads kind of write themselves in terms of the, the gas ban on new construction, but right. what do you think? Uh, I would just keep in mind that the real estate lobby is perhaps the most the strongest in, in Albany. Um, yes. If they want to stop this and they've got some concerns, it's going to be a fight. Yeah, absolutely. A lot to look at. Marina Villeneuve from the AP, Michael Gormley from Newsday. Thank you both so much. All right, more now on this year's elections. If you follow politics in New York, you're probably familiar with the Working Families Party. But if you aren't, the WFP is one of the state's minor parties and its members are considered farther to the left than traditional Democrats. And because of that, it holds a lot of power among progressives. So when they endorse someone in an election, that's a sign of where they want the progressive vote to go. In 2018, they backed Cynthia Nixon in the Democratic primary for governor over Andrew Cuomo, and she got about a third of the party's vote. This year, they've endorsed New York City public advocate Jamani Williams over Governor Kathy Hochul in the June primary. And for lieutenant governor, they're supporting Ana Maria Archila, who's running with Williams. For more on that, I spoke this week with a head of the WFP in New York, Sochi Nemica. Sochi, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's start with the race for governor. The Working Families Party is supporting New York City public advocate Jamani Williams in the Democratic primary. Of course, that is Tuesday, June 28th for everybody watching. Tell me why you're supporting Jamani. We're so proud to have two working class candidates and champions for families and communities up and down the state at the top of our ticket. Uh, Jumani Williams is one of the most prolific public advocates uh, in that role's history, championing legislation, um, showing up for uh, students, for tenants, for uh, immigrants, uh, and communities all across the state. And so in this moment, when New Yorkers are faced with a real affordability crisis, uh, when we have not address the looming climate crisis. We need a candidate who's ready to hit the ground running and ensure that New York State is a safe place for all of our communities. Tell me where the current governor, Kathy Hochul, fails in those regards. Where does she fall short in that she didn't get your endorsement, but Jumani did? We have a long history of supporting candidates who uh, reject the influence of money in politics, uh, who center working people above corporations. Uh, and I think this budget um, moment was a real opportunity to show that the only way to have a true recovery in New York State is by ensuring that all of us, uh, especially those uh, who have been hit hardest by the brunt of the pandemic, uh, are invested in. Uh, and from the largesse to billionaires it's part of the bill's stadium deal uh to pushing in bail reforms uh into the budget despite the absence of evidence showing that bail reform has anything to do with crime uh in new york state the governor missed this opportunity uh to put new york on better footing and so we're looking for candidates who are grounded not only in 
facts and evidence uh, that guides our legislation, but also in the urgency uh, that working families are feeling this moment from gas prices uh, to rising rents to rising education costs. We need a real response to this moment that we're in. So you mentioned that the WFP is supporting two progressive candidates in June, the other one being Ana Maria Archila for lieutenant governor. That's Jamani Williams running mate in the June primary. Now, the way that New York works is kind of specific in that the governor and lieutenant governor candidates run separately in the June primary and then come together for the general election in November. Tell me why you're supporting Ana Maria in the lieutenant governor primary. Ana Maria has spent the past two decades advocating for the most transformational legislation, uh, building coalitions, leading organizations uh, on the ground. And so many of us, many people know her for her activism. We know her also for her executive experience, uh, for her connection to community, uh, and for her commitment to rebuilding a New York State that works for all of us. So with Jumani Williams uh, as her pick for governor and Ana Maria, uh, for lieutenant governor, we can't imagine a more powerful duo uh, sharing together a real vision and a plan to ensure that New York uh, is a place where all of us can thrive. So what do you do if one of them doesn't win in the June primary? Would you then have them run on the WFP line in November as their own ticket together or separately, I guess, depending on who wins the Democratic nomination? Or would you give your line to whoever the Democratic nominee is? Right now, we're really focused on the primary and ensuring that we can get the best uh, working people focused candidates in the governor's uh, executive mansion in January. So that's really where our focus is. Ultimately, we want to make sure that we have a leadership team working with the legislature uh, to address the climate crisis, to address the affordable housing crisis, uh, to address rising costs that are really crippling New Yorkers in this moment. And so whichever candidates uh, can move us forward on that path, we will continue to support them. We are also singularly focused on ensuring that we don't have a Republican governor uh, in this moment we, that will pull New York further backwards. Uh, and so after the primary, we'll talk with our candidates, we'll talk with our membership and leadership, and we'll figure out what the best path forward is. So there's also this idea of possibly creating a new third party line this year for Democrats who either didn't win the primary or just want another party line to run on in November. I'm wondering how you feel about that as somebody who is the leader of a state party who already has a minor party line. Well, we're proud to be a minor party in New York that's steeped in the values that keep people up at night, uh, that people talk about at their dinner table, right? We are committed to building a broad multiracial democracy that allows working people to thrive in the state. Parties should have shared values and they should not be cynical, short-sighted, tactical plays. Uh, and so in this moment that a party boss of the Democratic Party is colluding to try to put forward a minor party, uh, speaks to the type of voter confusion uh, and cynicism that New Yorkers are really not calling for in this moment. And so while we welcome new political parties uh, who speak to the diversity of voter views across New York State, uh, we hope that they're coming up uh, with the right intent and that they're communicating to voters uh, in a clear way that allows people to know what they're opting into. Now, when people are looking in the June primary and they've seen that you've endorsed somebody, whether it's somebody running for statewide office or somebody in a primary for the state legislature or Congress, what do you think that should say to voters uh, looking at on the ballot, trying to choose between those two people? When they see somebody that's endorsed by the WFP, what does that mean? 
Well, we really believe that New Yorkers deserve choice uh, and on the ballot. And so even though we are a blue trifecta state, we know that there also are differences between Democrats. Uh, some Democrats who uh, choose corporate donations, uh, maybe who um, caucus with Republicans versus Democrats who put forward a plan for New York that addresses rising costs, that has a solution to the climate crisis, that ensures that all of our communities are in, right? Everyone in and nobody out. And so when we think about working families candidates, we think about candidates who refuse the influence of the real estate lobby and money in politics, uh, who are not trying to carve deals or make legislation that, that satisfies insurers at the expense of patients, but who are working side by side with their communities, in their communities, and ensuring that we have uh, a broad path to recovery. So Working Families Candidate is a community-connected candidate who's pushing forward the values of universal health care, of racial equality, and are not doing so um, with corporate interests at the center. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. Sochi Nemica, the state director of the New York Working Families Party, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dan. Be well. And just to note, we are planning to have both Jumani Williams and Ana Maria Archila on the show before the primary. More on that soon. But moving on now to On the Bill, where we tell you about a bill out of Albany that you might not hear about otherwise. This week, we're talking about A4331, a bill that would end what's called qualified immunity in New York. Qualified immunity is basically a legal defense that can be used by members of law enforcement if they're sued over something they do on the job. So if an officer is accused of using excessive force, for example, and someone sues, qualified immunity can be used as a defense. That's not always the case, but supporters of A4331 say it shouldn't be an option at all. That includes Assemblymember Pam Hunter, a Democrat from Syracuse, who sponsors the bill with Manhattan Senator Robert Jackson. This is not anti-police. This is anti-bad behavior of people who are violating our constitutional rights, and we are simply saying we want to eliminate qualified immunity. And lawmakers will have about six weeks to consider that bill before the end of this year's legislative session. All right, turning now back to this year's elections. As we said earlier, We've got about two months before this year's primary election for governor. And after that, we'll move on to the general election, which, of course, is held in November. Now, it's a given you'll see both major party nominees on the ballot. That happens every election cycle. But there's also a good chance you'll have a third party choice as well. And that could very well include Larry Sharp, a libertarian who's taking his second shot at the governorship. He ran in 2018 as well, and he was also the libertarian candidate for vice president in 2016. We spoke this week about his campaign and where he stands on top issues. Larry, happy to have you here. Thanks for coming on. I'm so happy to be here. So you are the Libertarian Party's candidate for governor this year. Hopefully you'll be on the ballot in November. You're starting that process in just a couple of days. Can you first introduce yourself to voters? Who is Larry Sharp? I hope you guys remember me. I mean, I ran in 2018. I crossed this state, all six two counties then. We raised half a million dollars. We got a, a bunch of votes and we got the party ballot access for the Libertarian Party, absolutely. And I was talking about actual issues to keep New Yorkers here in New York because my biggest issue has always been New Yorkers are leaving. I was considering leaving. And I went down south, saw a city I liked and got mad and came back and said, you know what, why is my state's government so bad? Why is my beautiful state run so poorly that I have to leave my family and my friends? And I said, no, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna become the governor and change things. 
they ended up, that did not work out as planned. <laughs> However, that was the goal. And I came back and it didn't work, but I'm at it again at, because I do love this state. I do care. We have to have actual answers. We haven't had answers in 20 years. Democrats have been running this state for 20 years. No answer. Republicans have been watching. No plan. No one's going to fix this state if someone doesn't step up to do it. And to be forward, there's a selfish part to, to me running. I don't want to move, right? I love this state, and I don't want to move, and so many people are moving. I hope I'm the guy who can start that ball rolling in the right direction. So tell me what you see as top issues for voters. How do we keep them here, like how you want to? What are they telling you on the campaign trail this year? Well, to, sadly, it hasn't changed. My website, LottoryShop.com, has had policies on it for four years that no one's taken, um, but they're still there. One of the number one reasons, there's two reasons, but number one is it costs too much to live here. Number two, lack of opportunities. We will pay tons of money as people if the opportunities are amazing. The opportunities are not amazing and the burden is so expensive and everything. We've got to fix that. There are a couple of ways we can. The biggest thing I want to do is I want to create a separate NYSST, the NIST, New York State Social Trust. A trust similar to what we do in Norway, what we do in, Sw in uh, not Sweden, in uh, Singapore, run by a separate private company, overseen by us, but run by a separate company and raising money to deal with the issues we have to deal with, like education, things like that. We do that the right way, not like the way we did it before with the lottery, which didn't work, but the right way where others do it. Now we start paying for education directly from Albany. That then ends the need for school tax which then cuts property tax about in half for most New Yorkers. Rent stabilized so the youth can stay. Not just that, the elderly can stay, the retirees can stay. All of a sudden now things get better and people start staying. Happy New Yorkers means a better New York. So what about the crime problem? I think you're totally right that people really focus on affordability and cost of living because it is too high in New York. But there's that other big issue in this year's elections of crime. How do we lower the crime rate, which I should say is lower than it was in the 1990s. We're still relatively low, but it is going up a little bit. What would you do about 100%, that? 100%. Look, the reality of crime, crime comes from a couple reasons. Number one is the black market, right? Number one. And the black market became huge because of the lockdowns. When the lockdowns came, people were getting checks and didn't want to go to work. So the black market exploded. Not just that, we stopped everything from coming in. So everything became more expensive. The black market exploded. Not just that, we decided, you know what? Let's keep our young men not going to school and not going to work. The black marketeers said, thank you for recruiting my army for me. So now we have tons of black market violence, number one. Number two, addiction slash mental illness, they often coincide. Not always, but they often do. That's our second issue. When you have unhappy people who can't be with friends, who can't go get help, who can't get the drugs they need, well, they're going to act out. It's how it works. Fixing those two issues, black market aspect. First thing we do is let people work again. Open up, let people work again. Encourage people to work and go back and forth, number one. Number two, help people who are in trouble where they are. In most cities, that means places like the MTA, places like bus stations. And instead of letting people roam around to hurt people, provide areas right for them. Allow people to go to the safe areas with security and with people who will help. And now you create almost a medical facility inside these facilities. That's how you begin to stop both of those things. Let people feel loved and cared about Happy people don't commit crimes. So as we talk about your candidacy, something that comes up when third parties run a lot is this fear that they will split the vote of another candidate and then hand it to a candidate that the third party identifies with even less. 
What do you say to those people about being on the ballot this year and potentially splitting the vote of somebody else? 100%. I love that, that question. Here's the reality of New York State. We are about three to one Democrat to Republican. A Republican has not won a statewide election in this state in 20 years, and the state's getting blue or not redder. Any Republican who tells you they're going to win a statewide election is either delusional or lying to you. They are taking your money. They're not going to win. How do I know that? They have no ideas. Ask, the questions you asked me, ask the Republican. He will say, ah, uh, ah, uh, Democrats bad. Ah, uh, ah, uh, Democrats bad. He has no plan. He cannot win. So splitting the vote in this case is a fantasy. One of two things will happen. Either the Democrat wins, that's option one, or an outsider wins. I hope I'm that outsider. If Democrats are upset enough with, with Hochul, if they are, I hope they are, they will do one of three things. Stay home, two, hold their nose and vote for Hochul anyway, or three, vote for me. The data is in. About 25% of the people who support me are registered Democrats. Democrats will vote for me. They will, they will not vote for Republican. There is no split voting here. There is no taking away anyone's chances. It will either be a Democrat or an independent. So talk to me about that. Why not Kathy Hochul for these voters? For, for people that are thinking of choosing between Kathy Hochul and you in November, why go with you? Because if you want what's happening in New York State to continue, vote for her. She is exactly the, the establishment. If you say to yourself, New York State's fine, you're right, you shouldn't vote for me, you should vote for her. If you're saying, no, I'm tired of my friends and family leaving. I'm tired of people I know complaining all the time. I'm tired of having to go away on vacation and not staying in New York State. I'm tired of busting my rump and not getting ahead. If those are the things that you're saying, why would you vote for the people who have been doing that to you for 20 years? Stop. Vote for somebody who won't do that. Vote for someone who understands that and wants to change it and has plans. And you might say, Larry, I don't know if I like your plans. I have plans. Let's talk about them. No one else does. All right, Larry Sharp, the Libertarian Party's candidate for governor this year. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Sharp will spend the next few weeks collecting signatures to get on the ballot for November. He tells me he's confident that he'll qualify, but if he doesn't, he also has the option of a write-in campaign. We'll let you know where things end up on that a little bit later this year. In the meantime, thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.